Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Paul's letter to the church of Colossae. We are beginning in verse uh, chapter one, verse one today. Kind of started in the middle a little bit last week, and we're going to go back to the beginning and work our way through from there. Paul's letter to this church that he had never met, this church that was planted uh, by a man who heard Paul in Ephesus, uh, this letter dealing with the error and false teaching that was creeping into Colossae, uh, uh, something that Paul does with love and with care for his fellow Christians there. So read with me, beginning in Colossians 1.1, we'll read the first two verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. Let us pray. Lord, as we approach your word today, we ask that you teach us, that you speak to us and show us where we are to obey you, that you teach us to revere you, to be humble before you. Use the light of your words to test the thoughts, actions, and attitudes of our life so that in the radiance of your purity, faith might rise in us. Help us to see your majesty in your gospel. Help us to see your glory, your love, and your authority in these words that we look at today. Your word is powerful. Your word never fails. And let the truth of your word prevail over the unbelief of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul is more than likely in prison in Rome. The imprisonment that he was headed to at the end of the book of Acts. And he is being ministered to by his friend Timothy. And, and he writes this letter to the, to the church of Colossae to, a, to combat some, some false teaching that had made its way into this church. Some false teaching that was based upon Greek and Roman philosophy that had been kind of woven into the message of the gospel. And also uh, some false teachings centered around the legalism of Judaism that was trying to be added to the gospel. And in throughout this book, he describes the believers as being in Christ. That idea of being grafted into the vine, that, that idea of being identified as no longer in Adam, but in Christ and all the promises and the glory that goes along with that. And for those who believe in the gospel message, you are in Christ. We talked a little bit about that last week. But where does the rubber hit the road, uh, so to speak, in being in Christ? What does this mean for us as we walk in our daily walk, as we seek to, to walk out and work out our salvation in our life? And we're going to see from Paul's greeting here today that being in Christ means that we are holy. It means that we are faithful and it means that we are sent. First, we are holy. There in the middle of this greeting that Paul gives to the members of the church of Colossae, he says to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. If you have a different translation, it might say to the saints or to the holy ones in Colossae. Holy is one of those words. It's actually an adjective in the original language. And therefore, when it's just given as an adjective by itself, we can translate it wholly as it is here in the NIV. Or we can add a descriptor or a noun to the end of the adjective. And usually we add the noun ones. Um, so our holy people, holy persons. 
And the reason it is translated saints is not because of what we typically think of as saints. What do we think of as saints? We, we think of kind of the Roman Catholic Church and how they've developed this idea of these super righteous, super um, <clears throat> moral people who have led extraordinary and, dare I say, miraculous lives according to them. And then the Pope at a certain time after their death declares them to be saints, declares them to be holy ones. That's typically what we think of when we think of as saints. But in the in the New Testament language, who is Paul addressing here? He's addressing his brothers and sisters in Colossae. He's addressing you and your counterparts who were sitting there in the church that heard this letter read to them. You, my brothers and sisters, are saints. You are holy ones. You ever think about that? Oh, I know how unholy I am. Believe me, I'm a good reformed person. I know, as I talked to you about last week, I know the doctrine of total depravity. I am totally depraved. I know how unholy I am. But you know what Paul says about me? You know what God through Paul calls me? He calls me holy. And that is a truth that we need to understand. Holy is a word that means set apart or consecrated. We set apart men for the gospel ministry. We have these these services where all the ordained elders within the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church that are present come forward and lay their hands on men to set them apart for gospel ministry. When we send somebody overseas to be a missionary, we have some type of consecration service where we set them apart for the for the ministry of being a missionary. But what Paul is telling us here is that each and every one of us is set apart by God. We are declared holy by God. We are declared holy in the fact that at salvation, Jesus righteousness is placed upon us. We are declared holy and set apart in the fact that we are called to live our lives in a pursuit of righteousness and holiness in our daily walk, in our daily life. We can get bogged down in that pursuit of holiness, can we not, brothers and sisters? Because we know who we are. We feel the weight of our sin. We feel the weight of that depravity that we teach. First thing about that is we probably don't give ourselves as much credit as we deserve. We are probably far further along in that walk toward holiness than we believe we are. Now, we're not going to get there until Christ returns and we're united to Him face to face and our bodies are fully transformed and fully glorified. But, you know, we're probably further along that, that trail than we think we are. But regardless of where we are in that walk, in that pursuit of holiness, God says you are holy. You are set apart. You are my child. Brothers and sisters, we are saints. But not only are we saints, we are also faithful. It says there to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Some of you may have a footnote there that that word that's translated faith could also mean believing. The church is the church is made up of people who believe in the truths of God. And thanks be to God, he takes the weakest faith. In Mark chapter 9, a man comes to Jesus and asks for help. His son is, is possessed by a demon and he does things that are harmful to him. And he says, please, Jesus, cast this demon out of my son. 
And Jesus says, all things are yours if you just believe. And the man looked at him in this moment of honesty, this moment of clarity. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but I don't think I believe enough. Lord, I believe, but it is the shallowest and tiniest of beliefs. Does Jesus say to him, come back when your belief's stronger? No, he says, that's enough. Right now, today, your son is healed. But, but it is also translated here, faithful. God takes any amount of belief, credits, us, credits that to us as righteousness, and then declares us to be faithful. Faithful can mean that we trust. Faithful can mean that we obey. Paul describes the church at Colossae as people who trust and obey God. This goes hand in hand with the holy ones. You know, oftentimes we struggle with obedience. But you know that God declares you as faithful. Oftentimes we struggle as trusting But God declares us to be faithful. And it's really interesting, this thought right here. We we think about, yeah, okay, for those people in Colossae, yeah, they're they're holy, they're saints, and they're faithful. But, man, I don't know about me. Think about who Paul is writing to. Paul is writing to a church that has somewhat, to some degree, abandoned the simple message of the gospel that he preached to them indirectly through Epaphras. This is a church that has allowed false teaching to creep not just into the membership of the church, but into the pulpit, into the teaching and preaching ministry of the church. At best, there's error there. At best, there's the affirmation that Jesus is the only way to to God, the only way to peace with God. But then they add something to it. Okay, so yeah, Jesus is enough, but you've got to also do this. At worst, there's outright heresy. There's outright denial of the gospel truth. How would you respond to somebody like that? I would probably open my letter with, hey, you bozos, what are you thinking? How does Paul open it? Hey, you holy and faithful people. You holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. The word brothers oftentimes in the New Testament can have the sense of and sisters along with it. Especially when Paul's greeting a large group of people like he is here in this letter. Holy and faithful Even though they had allowed error to creep into the church, God calls us holy. God calls us faithful, but you know, God also calls us sent. Paul begins the letter with a description of himself. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. That word apostle in ancient Greece actually meant a freight ship, a freighter in its original language, but as it grew and evolved in in the Greek language. It began to deter to to describe not only a freight ship, but a but then a military ship that had been sent out for a purpose. Then it began to describe the force that was inside that military ship or any military force that was sent out for a purpose. Then any group of people who were sent somewhere to a purpose. And the biblical authors take this word 
and apply it to people. One person and sometimes a group of people. That's just a generic word. It, it literally means sent one. And then the, the, the purpose of that send or the, the definition of that sending is defined by the purpose. If I'm a general in an army and my, my army is a couple miles away and I want to get a message to that army, I send an apostle with a military message. He's a military apostle. Paul says he's an apostle of Christ Jesus. That means that his message is the mess, the gospel message. And the gospel message is the last part of his greeting there. Grace and peace to you. Grace is the description of that free offer of salvation, of redemption. You know, each and every one of us pursues our own glory. Each and every one of us pursues our own will instead of the glory and the will of God. And that puts us at war with God. And for us, that's a losing war because God has declared that those who pursue their own will, their own wants, their own desires, their own glory, instead of the will, wants, desires and glory of God come under God's judgment. And the free offer that Paul has, this grace that he talks about is the work of Jesus Christ, who who truly pursued all of God's will, truly pursued all of God's desires truly pursued all of God's glory and then took the punishment for us who don't. And through that, the war with God is over for those who believe. Peace comes to those who receive the grace of God. That's what Paul was an apostle of. But Paul was a special apostle like the twelve, the disciples. He was someone who had seen Jesus face to face He was someone who had received his commission directly from Jesus. He is someone who witnessed the risen Christ. You remember Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, the bright light, the knocking of him off of his mule or his horse. Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me or Saul, his his Hebrew name? And then commissioned with this message of grace and peace to the world there. There are no more apostles of that type in our world, but they weren't the only apostles of his day either. You know, Barnabas was an apostle. He was sent by the church of Antioch to accompany Paul on his missionary journey. And not only does Christ commission apostles, those special apostles who were given a special anointing on their ministry, a special authority on their ministry, they wrote scripture. But you and I are apostles as well, not in that term, not in that sense. Maybe it's the difference between apostles with a capital A and apostles with a lowercase a. But we are sent ones. We are sent out into the world, into our world. Outside of these doors, we are going to go to homes. We are going to go to civic organizations. We are going to go to workplaces. We're going to go to grocery stores and parks. And all types of different places. And we are sent into those places with this gospel message. This message of grace and peace that Paul proclaimed to the Colossians. That through the, the, the scriptures he has proclaimed to us. And that we are to proclaim to the world around us. We are holy. We are faithful. And we are sent. But being holy, faithful, and sent takes an act on our behalf 
Paul says he was an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. God has declared what he wanted Paul to do. And Paul had to set aside his own will. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 8 through 10, he talks about his conversion very, very succinctly in a summary form. He says that he's the least of the apostles. He says that he was brought to birth as an apostle out of time, out of order. And he says, I know who I was. I was one who persecuted the church. I was one who sought the destruction of the church. And if it was left up to me, I'd go crawl into a hole somewhere because I don't deserve. Not only do I not deserve the salvation that God gave me, I don't deserve to be the mouthpiece of God. And yet God said, go. And Paul had to sacrifice his will To fulfill the will of God. It was an example that he learned from his Savior. Or take this cup from me. But not my will, but thy will be done. Take my desires and sacrifice them to God. It's scary to be someone who was sent with the message that God has given. I will admit that. But I wonder sometimes, at least for me, maybe for you. Sometimes that fear is a mask for the fact that I am unwilling to sacrifice my will to his. I want my comfort, not his glory. I want my not rocking the boat, not his will. How many times do we refuse to be sent ones because we refuse to allow ourselves to sacrifice our will to God's will? God is a gracious and kind master who has declared that brothers and sisters, you and I are holy. He has declared that you and I are faithful and he has declared that you and I are sent. Let us submit to his will. Let us sacrifice our will to his. Let us pray. Our God and father above, we do thank you for Paul's life, for Jesus life. We thank you that he has declared each and every one of us to be saints He has declared each and every one of us to be faithful. And he has declared to each and every one of us to be sent. Use the Holy Spirit to drive those words into our heart. Use the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and to humble us, to sacrifice our will to yours. Send the Holy Spirit upon us to strengthen and humble us, to pursue your glory and your desires. And let us know the joy of trusting you with our thoughts, with our words, and with our deeds. In Jesus' precious name, amen.